Welcome to episode number 65 of The Student Manager. It's Fonger News, and in the house today is, I'm going to call him B. Tao, Brandon Towers. He is a Stanford grad. What's up, Beto? What's going on, Fonger? <laughs> pleasure to pleasure to be here, man. And he also, on his side hustle, he has a podcast called Hit the Green, which we'll get into because it is Masters Week. It is indeed, and I'm pumped. So yeah, we can talk about that later, and uh, I'll be happy to do that. Absolutely. But first, we got to pay the bills. We got to talk about our corporate sponsors. Every time I just switch with corporate sponsors, last week it was Truly. We're going to do, you know what? This time, you got to download and subscribe to Hit the green. I did it yesterday. I listened to my first podcast on the Valero fucking piece of shit tournament. I'm ready for this week. <laughs> so just if you don't, if you're not familiar with Hit the Green podcast, it's another podcast to listen to. My boy here, Beto, Beto, I call him Beto. How we met. You want to tell the story how we met? I'll absolutely tell the story how we met. And actually, it's funny because now some of my friends are calling me Beto because it's <laughs> it's hilarious. But um. Yeah, so we were on the peninsula. We were at Dory Deli of yes. all places, right? And we're we're sitting at the bar. We had a friend actually in town. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and there's like been a mass exodus of my friends from the Cleveland area to to Southern California. So I actually live out here with like half a dozen of my friends that I went to to high school with and, and grade school with. We had a buddy of ours in town, um, and we decided we're going to go out to Dory, have a good time, have some drinks. And all of a sudden, I see this guy over here chopping it up with the uh, with the bartender, talking about how they had a great time last weekend during like uh, what was it St. Patrick's Day or something like that. Yep, my friend in Arizona was in town. Yep, yep, your friend from Arizona was in town. And next thing I know, we're just sort of chopping it up, dicing it up, right? You tell me you have a podcast, and I'm like, no kidding, I got a podcast too. So then we exchange podcast information. Then we were like, well, we got to get some more shots, obviously, right? We're absolutely we're friends now. And the bartender tells us, well, actually, you missed last call. Like, I tried to tell you guys it was last call. <laughs> That's right. So Fonger says, no worries. Let's uh, let's head up the street. Let's go. So we rolled on over to Blackie's where they uh, they told us, oh, you're with him. You're good to go. We rocked. We walked right in. You had your pup. Uh, Farley. Farley. Thank you. My Cavapoo. Farley's so cute. Farley's thank so you. cute. Thank Such you. Such a well-behaved little dog. Um, <laughs> and he's kicking it with us in the bar. Oh, having a great time. I mean, those should actually be our corporate sponsors. Dory Deli, shout out to Andrew. He's yes. the owner. All right. And then at Blackie's, we, we walked in. They're like, okay, you got how many? You got one, two, three, four, five, six. Boom. We're all Listen, in. We're all in. Yeah. And we had ourselves a good time, man. It was it was an awesome night and one that honestly we still talk about and we got to get back out on the peninsula, man. Definitely. We got to get you there's back no out that COVID way. There's no COVID out here. Yeah, no, there isn't. We're having a <laughs> hell of a time. I'll tell you that much. So so let's let's reset. This podcast is uh, the student manager. And obviously, the goal is to help high school students and parents with the decision-making process when it comes to post-secondary education. Stanford grad, you are my first Stanford Cardinal, the tree, the ugliest mascot Honored. around. Yes, it is. 2000, By design. <laughs> 2014, coming from... Cleveland. All right. So was that your, t tell us how you got to Stanford because the acceptance rate is like less than 10%. You are smarty pants and we'll get into that. Everyone from here in Southern California and across the nation thinks they're all getting into the top 50 schools, but they're going to get rejected and only a few select make it. And you're one of the few. So tell us your story. Yeah. So pretty funny for me, actually, I was never someone I was always good at school, um, but never someone who was really like 
driven by school success more so that was I really wanted to just you know please my mom right make her proud um so I really when I was coming out of high school had really set myself on the idea that I was going to end up going to Ohio State University and being in their biomedical science program um still an application like so it was an application-based major so not only did I have to apply to the university, I'd apply to be accepted to the major itself. Um, so it was still a, a sort of competitive process, but I never really thought that I would apply even to the sort of what people might say um, top tier institutions, right? The ones that are the, the sub 10%, even sub 5% at the time for Stanford acceptance rate. Um, but I think, you know, your guidance counselors always talk about having reached schools and, and that notion. And my mom was someone that, in a piece of advice for people out there, she said, you know, I want you to apply to as many places as you can. We're going to see as many places as you possibly can see. And the beauty of that was there's a lot of knowledge and value to be gained in seeing what you don't like about a place or maybe right. a, a certain experience, right? So when I was gathering my reach schools, um, I ended up applying to like- Who nine. were your reach schools? Because we talk about reach schools a lot. Yep. So I ended up applying to like nine or 10 different schools in total. My reach schools, I applied to Princeton, I applied to Yale, I applied to Stanford. Um, so those were the three probably most difficult uh, that there would have been to get into. I actually got into Stanford, I got into Yale, I did not get into Princeton. So okay. they were the one of, I believe I applied to 10 schools. They were the one that said, nah, dog, you're not for us. You're not our flavor. But uh, yeah, it was. And, and what about the moderates? So tell me the moderates, because we go stretch, moderate, then we go fall back. So you're falling in lines. This is great, because my followers and listeners, these are the schools they're applying to. And I just had a friend, she applied, their kid applied to Notre Dame, Michigan, Duke, Vanderbilt, Georgetown, like all amazing schools. It's a murder and, is and, well right there. Right? And you're going to get an answer, and sometimes you're not going to get the answer that you want. They're hard schools to get into. So help people understand you had your stretch. What were your moderates? So my moderates, I would have considered like the biomedical science program at Ohio State a moderate because it did take that extra bit of effort, that extra application process to, to get accepted to. Um, University of Virginia was one that piqued my interest for That's some a smart reason. smart school, Charlottesville. It, absolutely, absolutely. So I ended up applying to, to University of Virginia, going on a visit there. Um, and it's a, like, that school was one that, I don't know, it was weird that it just sort of popped up. Like someone mentioned it to me, then I started doing more research and I was like, man, like this is like, they kind of got it going on here. So that was one that sort of got added to the list late, Okay, uh, was a late visit, uh, but really ended up being probably one of my top three choices at the end of the day. Um, did you have any fallbacks? I did have fallbacks, of course. Uh, where, where, and as someone to your caliber academically, where, where was Ohio State? So I will say... Because um, your major major there was, there was there was There was no doubt in my mind that I, like, I, I knew I was going to be admitted okay. to Ohio State, right? My sister also went to Ohio State. She was a student at Ohio State at the time. Not that I needed any sort of legacy. Um, and Ohio State's a great school, one that continues to, to the acceptance rate continues to decline. People are continually being deferred to, to the satellite campuses just to, to start right. their college career, right, with their freshman year. I went on the satellite campuses to then hopefully reapply to be admitted to main campus. But um, at that point in time, I, I was 
from a confidence standpoint, Ohio State was definitely a fallback, but because of the specific major I was applying to, it felt like something more than that to me. Um, but I also had like my dad's alma mater and HBCU, historically black colleges and universities, Central State University in God knows where Ohio. I couldn't even tell you somewhere in like central Ohio. Right. Um, and that just would have been like something that would have been if I want to stamp my name on the on the just family legacy, right? right? Just like, to check. I got in. I hey, I got in, I applied, <laughs> they saw my last name, right? You guys don't have anything to worry about. Toe um, Towers. Yes. Tau. They were like, We 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 know these people. Well, well you're gonna laugh. You're gonna uh, laugh at this story. My daughter, who's at University of Washington, I made her apply to Long Beach State just to see if she would get in. And I said, if you just apply, she goes, oh, you're going to make me apply. And I said, if you apply, how about this? If you get in, I'll give you, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And she goes, really? I'm like, okay. I go, I just want to see if you can get in. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so she did. She goes, I got in. That was obviously not where she was going to go. <laughs> are they are they still using the Common App nowadays though? Because yes. with that, then it's hey, it's easy to apply. You yes, just shotgun that stuff off. Common right? App, yeah. Uh, Common App. It probably Stanford was a was that since it's a private school, it's probably a separate. Oh school. man, do you remember? I'm trying to remember, and that reminds me of another school I applied to, which was a moderate University of Chicago, which is that's, that's not it was, a moderate University uh, was, of Chicago is was, smart. It was a moderate for me. <laughs> Only okay. I mean, th- th- so University of Chicago, that application process. If I'm sure, are you familiar with it? No, but in, enlighten me, enlighten my followers and audience. Yeah. So um, this is University on, of Chicago, by the way. Yes. All my smart. <laughs> on my visit to University of Chicago, yeah, brilliant, brilliant school. Um, on my visit there, they had an admissions officer come and talk to us about like the application process. And the thing that they seemingly prided themselves most on was like the creativity of their application questions. And I'm not sure if they're still up to this, but I can tell you the year that I applied um, a couple of the application questions. Um, One was you walk into like a a big bargain department store, like a Sam's Club, right? Or something like that. And you see a 10 gallon jar of mustard. What does that tell you about the current state of America? It's like, okay, all right. They're, they're, they're going to try and go like this route. Um, another question was like, what is your favorite day of the week and why? So like, these are like very they like see how creative you existential, are and- right? Like they, they just want to see sort of where your mind takes you and, and what sort of value you derive in these seemingly bizarre questions. But that whole application process, like, it's super unique. It's super unique to University of Chicago, but I think Stanford might have been common app now, to be honest with you. Okay, so let me ask you this because a question, these are raw stories. Not only do students want to listen to it, but parents want to listen to it. And I would say of your whole process, what if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? And what advice do you have for high school juniors or seniors, as well as the parents? I mean, it's a loaded question, but take it from- No, for sure. So from, I'll start from the application standpoint, or you know what, let me start from square one. The first thing I would say is like, take a breath. Like relax, calm down. Like college, ultimately, ultimately, the university that you go to is, it's all about the experience that you create while you're there. So where you go is not going to define you. Hopefully you define where you go. And that's, that's ultimately the goal. So just take a deep breath. If you don't get into the place that you think you need to get into, it's fine. 
life continues. Like there's, it's, it's absolutely You're fun. Preaching so to the choir. That's the first piece of advice I would give to not only the kids, but maybe sometimes even more so the parents. Right? <laughs> I think the parents need to hear that more so than the kids. Sometimes it's that? like, yes, take a parents. breath, parents. Just because your kid doesn't get into the school that you maybe think they need to go to, like, <laughs> life is a journey, as we all know, right? Um, and and college is going to be what you make of it. Um, the advantage to going to some of these better institutions or considered better institutions, right? Higher prestige institutions is really in the networking. And you don't have to be going to those institutions to be able to network. You can find other avenues to network with, with people of, you know, consequence who can help advance you in, in, in your life. So if you, Keep a, you know, a strong focus on networking. It really doesn't matter where you go. Like school is school. But with that being said, if you want to try to get into the place that you really want to go to for the, you know, the social experience, which really I think is what you're paying for. You're learning how to become an adult. You're learning how to drink, how to, how to drink, really how to socialize, how to take care of yourself and amongst shit, um, to be honest with you. And uh yeah, there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be gained from that. And I feel bad for students now, you know, in the COVID environment that that that's sort of been stripped away from them. I think that's a lot of why you're paying the crazy tuition prices that you pay is to go off and have the experience of, you know, learning to take care of yourself and become an adult. Uh, but if you want to get into the institution you want to get into, the thing I would focus on most and I would really, really consider these are your essays. Your essays are the avenue to like your essence and your being. They are what's going to differentiate you and distinguish you from another candidate. Like at the end of the day, yes, you're going to need some solid, like solid ACT scores. You're going to need solid SAT scores. Like your standardized testing is going to have to be solid. But at the end of the day, that's a number on a piece of paper. Um, and these people, these people that are going to be reading your college admission essays, if all other things are equal, that's really what's going to push you over the edge and be a tiebreaker. And even if maybe like you are almost not going to be considered, if you can wow somebody by showing them who you are and why you and the institution that you want to attend are a good fit and will provide value to the world, you know, long term, that's going to speak louder than anything you can do as far as an SAT score or an ACT score, because ultimately these institutions want people that they view as world changers, right? People that are going to go out, change the world, hopefully rack up a bunch of revenue and then, you know, provide some donations on the back end. So if you can show them your value, it's almost like you're applying to to a job in that way. Um, but I, the, the biggest the biggest thing is to just take a deep breath, relax, understand the value that you bring to whatever institution that you're going to attend and sort of let the chips fall where they may. That was I mean, that was my thought process the entire time it's you know wherever i go i'm just i'm gonna make the most of it right it it sounds you're reiterating and you're hitting everything we talk about on this podcast a is to relax and there's a great fit for everybody right and parents it's not about you it's yeah. about your child <laughs> doesn't seem that way and, sometimes you're absolutely right and then my biggest thing i preach and and motto that's how we met it's networking just say hi be curious as much as you can, meet someone at that university, experience, talk, because it is the experience, uh, which is great. Let's go right into the experience at Stanford because you were involved in different things. And we always talk about getting involved. You were in a fraternity, uh, SAE, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. I believe you were in a, a black 
a club organization. Correct. Correct. Yep. And, uh, and by the way, and engineers, by, Spezia. by the way, we got minority to minority. Yes, we do. And, and I'm in Southern kind of, California. That's right. Of all places. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this before we get into the experience. Do you think that helped you get into Stanford from Ohio, an African-American going to Stanford from Ohio? Absolutely. So you, I mentioned the essay. You take your unique experience and your unique, your unique viewpoint of the world, and you know you paint a picture of how marrying that with the particular institution you're applying to is you know is a goldmine of success. So, yeah, definitely. I touched on my background. You know, growing up in suburban Ohio, very whitewash area, right? Having to be able to communicate in a way to make people respect me, right? Having to be able to portray myself in a certain way to, to garner the respect that I think I deserve. Um, you can't talk things of that like, nature. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like just, yo, what's up? just having to, I mean, I could, and I did sometimes because some people needed to hear the real, the realness, but, um, for the most part, it's, it's really learning how to take what, what you've experienced in life and, and show to them why that's valuable. And if you can do that, then, you know, it just resonates with, with, with an institution, with the individual. That's the important thing here. Like there's an individual at the end of the day that's going to be reviewing like a majority of, of, of your application. So there's a human element here. Um, this isn't, you know, just all X's and O's it's, there's a human element at play. So I think that's the, that's the point to attack. So now, and I, we talk about that a lot, the essays separate yourself. It's not about the winning goal or the student body president or no. mommy or daddy paying for a trip to third world country, right? right? And that's all great. It, right? it is, but, but everyone else is doing it too. So who are, who are you, right? Like, it's like, it's, I don't really want a list of accomplishments or, and, and that's all great. You're going to have that on your resume anyway. And everyone can, you know, go through that sort of checklist, but you need to show them who you are and, and really open up um, about who you are you know, what you bring to the table and ultimately what you'll bring to make this world a better place. So your four years at Stanford, mm-hmm. people say Stanford, what's the one thing that is something you'll always remember, take away being a Cardinal? Well, the first thing though, the reason like my decision was made, the, I'm not even joking, the instant I set foot on that campus, I was like, I'm going here. No doubt. Like that place is gorgeous and sprawling too. I, I, at the time, I'm not sure if it still is. It was like the second largest campus in the world behind university of Moscow, sprawling and beautiful. Um, from a life standpoint, I guess, um, what I'll take away from Stanford is, uh, you know, they say there's like that old adage. I'm trying to think exactly what it is, but, uh, you know, there's always someone that can do it better than you. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Stanford will teach you that more than anything. And it's funny from like my perspective. I come from a well-to-do family. My dad's a, a dentist, a retired dentist now. My mom's an engineer, worked in the, in the auto industry for a while. Um, but it's funny to see these these people come to Stanford and think they're you know wealthy or they're rich. They're hot and then, shit. They're, they're shit hot shit. Stink. And then and then they see what real wealth looks like. Like to see that sort of like that shock come over some people is pretty funny. Because everybody's this right at that category, if not right, right, exactly. But the, you know, you've got people 
that would come to Stanford. I mean, I'm not sure. Have you seen the documentary about the like the whole college admission? Yes. Right. I'm sure. Right. Right. So Rick Singer, he's our neighbor. Yeah. Well, oh, he was yeah, our. Neighbor. He was right. Yeah. yeah he so was he lived actually not One not too far over. from here, right? Yeah. Jeez. I felt so bad for the Stanford sailing coach. Right. Who's? He, yep. He just wanted money for the program. And yes. Yeah. He was just trying to you know help his kids have a better experience Absolutely. at school, which varsity blues. It's, it's yeah. It's a bummer that he got caught up in that, but. Um, they talk about like the front door, which is, you know, just yes. applying, getting accepted the side door, which is Rick Singer and the back door, or I'm sorry. Yeah. The back door, <laughs> the back right. Door. Yep. Which is, you know, these people that donate, throw your name on the building. Yeah, exactly. Be towers. Throw your Be name tow. on the building, <laughs> build an auditorium, build whatever. Um, and you and sometimes literally have that's these... still not enough. Exactly. Sometimes that's still. Eh. Well, it depends on what school you're looking at. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> at the Harvards, right? Yes. Sometimes that's not enough when your endowment is, you know, too many zeros to fall off the page. That's why yeah. there's so many universities out there and and you have that opportunity. I mean, there's four there's over four hundred division one schools, right? So Everyone is trying to apply to all the same schools, the Harvard, UC, I call them the sweatshirt brands, yep. UCLA, USC, Stanford, Cal, especially out here. Everyone gets rejected from California. So then they have to go out to different parts, to the South, you know, or the Midwest. My daughter's at Wisconsin. I got Washington, but we got friends, you know, Virginia's a great school in the South. Georgia's becoming a big time Absolutely. school for this area. Um, it's, it's really just a, it's like almost like, Econom like human economics, right? right? It's like supply and demand. All these people want to go to the same institutions. Yes. And ultimately, you have to start looking at it from like a value perspective, right? Like in the stock market, they say, buy low, sell high. Like what's the real value you're getting out of these places now that everyone's flooding to the same institutions? I mean, you, you, you got to look at the value proposition. That's why I'm telling like parents, like just calm down, like your kid doesn't have to go to the name brand institution. Like what are they actually paying for anyway? And what are the other avenues that they can get that? As you mentioned, the reason we're sitting here today is because, you know, we're both personable people, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you were personable enough to reach out. And then I was like, yeah, I have a podcast too. And then all of a sudden we're exchanging information. Next thing we're at Blackie's, you know, <laughs> and that's how this stuff works, right? right. Um, that's how this stuff works. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that is, it's it's the truth. I mean, we've been recording for like 20 minutes now. Everything you're emphasizing, it's you you are just reiterating and and piggybacking off of what I always say, networking, who you know, um that's the end of the day. The experience, relax. So, I mean, we we, we could talk and about this forever, but let's go into if I asked you at Stanford Okay, now, because what you do now in your work, did Stanford really help you with that degree to get you where you are today? Are you very satisfied with it? Or are you like, shit, I should be doing this or I should be doing that? Yeah, so definitely more of the latter. So I, I mean, I did not have to go to Stanford to have the role that I have. I'm a sales manager for a company called Industrial Physics. Um, so we sell like materials testing equipment to labs who are mostly mostly aerospace manufacturers who are testing like adhesives or fasteners or something and they need to test them in certain conditions to see what what sort of uh, pressures and stuff they can withstand or forces they can withstand but won't get into that right now um could have gone to I mean, you can go to any university right and and ultimately if you network your way into that role you're going to work your way into that role right having gone to stanford now i have networking pieces that allow me i think to maybe 
maybe it makes it easier for me to dream bigger, I would say, um, because I've seen people use the network that I have access to in a, in a very positive way. So sort of like by proof, I've sort of seen it work. So it's a little bit easier for me to dream big maybe. Uh, but ultimately anyone can make those connections, right? Like there, college is not the only conduit by which people can connect. Like that's, that's not, right. it's not the end all be all right. There are many, many, many other ways to get out there and connect with people. So that's just what you got to do. Like you, you've been hitting on all the right points. You just got to get out there and you got to network. And you also got to stick to stick to your guns in, in a way like what what you're passionate about and what you like to do. Start connecting with other people that are successful in that space that even though maybe it's not a traditional space or a traditional thought of as like money earner. Right. Like in the technology era, people are finding ways to monetize just about everything. So. Now more than ever, I think it's true to like follow your passion, but do it in an intelligent way, right? Like find people who are taking that passion, monetizing off of it, or or you know finding some some sort of success with it. Contact them, send them an email, you know, slide in their DMs, stuff like that. Like exactly, it's, it's literally just stuff like that. My passion, obviously, this is episode number sixty-five. It started with Congrats, a, that's awesome. a dream, and you know, a year and a half ago, and I, I got to balance it with my real career but this is just helping high school students and parents and then meeting interesting people i have guests on that are graduates or you know current students or coaches or athletic directors or people in the missions or counselors and just talking about this we, we get excited kind of like hit the green right yes. so that's your podcast and we can just transition and we can kind of take it in different areas how did and, and hit the green. I'll, I'll, it's a golf podcast, but I'm gonna let you speak to it. But is that your passion, and is that your side hustle? How how did that all come about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a passion project, we actually just released episode 27 today, so halfway there, half halfway to you. <laughs> um, and congrats on on that many episodes, 65. That's big. Thank you. That's big. Um, I was in the Daily Pilot, by the way. Ah, LA let's Times. Go. Let's yeah. go. That was last. Uh, last Sunday we did the photo. I'll, I'll send it to you. Send it to me. Yeah. Send it to me. Shoot it my way. <laughs> I'll link. I'll actually. I'm. I'm gonna post something on Instagram after we do this. Yeah. After you drop this episode, so I'll make that one of the one of the pieces of the slideshow. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, hit the green came about. Uh, you know, COVID hit, quarantine, sitting at home, not going into the office anymore. All of work's remote. Just having a lot of time on my hands, right and. It's honestly, it had been so long since I had like a hobby, like, like not, and that sounds bad, but like a hobby that was always there for me, right? Like something that was repetitive, something that I could always go back to. Right. Um, I like playing video games, but that's not something that's like, it, it doesn't feel like rewarding, sustainable. Like I wanted a like material hobby, like something that I could point to and say, like, I did that. So I painted uh, <laughs> this, uh, I did like sort of like a Bob Ross style painting. Is uh, this took, the took logo? Some, took some art classes okay. at Stanford, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try some art stuff. Um, immediately ditched that. Right. And I've always been someone that's enjoyed playing like DraftKings, particularly like daily fantasy sports started in my Stanford days when the site FanDuel was just starting. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, I spend these Wednesday nights researching golf tournaments, right? Just looking up golfers, 
seeing who I want to play on these DraftKings lineups, like podcasting is becoming a really hot thing. I might as well just do it on a podcast, right? Like I'm already spending this time and investing this time. Why not like, you know, try to see if it, if it can go somewhere. And on top of that, why not share this information with other people who might be interested in it and it might be able to help them as well. So that was sort of the idea. Um, and advice to anyone. I was actually watching a, a podcast of someone who, who talks about like daily fantasy sports and a piece of advice he gave that really like resonated with me, struck a chord and advice I'd give to anyone trying to start a podcast, or trying to start anything really is, uh, and it sounds really simple, but it's like, just like do it. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be the prettiest thing or the most beautiful thing at first. And it likely won't be, but that's okay because and it evolves. It evolves. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, you get to see it evolve and you get to take pride in its evolution. Um, and making the commitment to just do it the first time sort of just sets like the wheels in motion, right? And then it does. It begins to evolve and, and it just sort of takes a life of its own. So, Murph, does this sound familiar? Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, some people start podcasts and they just stop. Yep. And Murph, Murph knows. Songwriting, business, relationship. Really- one steps go just do it just do it right like you you just have to do it and right that's that's literally step number one to doing anything like get your feet wet start doing it and then once you do start doing it like keep at it right like you know episode 65 that's why i say congrats it's amazing i'm at episode 27 which i'm extremely happy about we've only been you know in business here about nine months and some of that's been COVID affected anyway on the pga tour so um so let's talk about hit the green yeah uh, because I listened to it. We have masters coming up. I've been telling my friends, oh, wait yeah. until you see my guest. Like my guest is Stanford grad. I, I don't think this is, this is a side hustle. It's called hit the green. He's like smoking bongs or lighting up a joint. Joints. Oh yeah. And, and you can hear it. Like, and, and I didn't know if you're going to bring one in today. I'm like, oh, I don't know if Mer's going to go for this, but <laughs> it's just funny when I, when I, when I listened to it, I was laughing. I'm like, okay, I can see Beto do it. And I grew up in the era where smoking's like, I could tell you how many times I've done it. It's like less than five. Yeah. My daughters are like, you know, it's legal. I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> That's like a weird, yeah, it's like a weird yeah, feeling, like, right? Legal. So you're doing your podcast, you're smoking a joint yep. and you're picking winners. All so I'm picking winners, baby. It's, it's, it's first talk to me about your track record before we reveal what's going to happen this weekend yes. at Masters. Yes, well, at least like, what why? I why happen. should I listen to Hit the Green and Beto? Absolutely. Um, so we are we're two for our last four picking winners, which is strong on the PGA Tour. I mean, um, very strong. I mean, if we're talking betting odds, then you're definitely plus EV. Um, you're, you're definitely making out on some money, some profits there. Um, I pick literally just one winner a week. Like, so I'm not having like a, a sheet of, of bets that I'm right. advising for people. Right. I literally just pick one winner. So going too far our last four is pretty huge. We hit on our boy Colin Morikawa, which was amazing. My Asian cousin. Love it. And we also hit on JT at the players, which was unreal. That dude's a boss too. So. Okay, so he's two for four. Should he, will he be three for five or will he be two for five? Who is it going to be? Oh man, see. I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'll tell you who I like, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. I love it. Um... So I'm going to ride with a guy who took a lot of flack after the November edition of the Masters this past year. Um, I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson. And he missed the cut in November. I know. He had the drop ball debacle, right, where he ended up, yeah, it was, or the lost ball, I should say, where he ended up taking a penalty shot. Bryson is coming for his vengeance 
This guy will be taking lines off the tee that are going to be absurd. He's going to make a mockery, I think, this week of the par 5 13th. Probably be hitting wedges into that thing all week long. I think Bryson's got something to prove. He sort of got social media mocked after he said, you know, in in November, he did say, he brought it on himself. He said, you know, he thought he was going to handle Augusta pretty easily. And then Augusta jumped up and got him because Augusta's Augusta for a reason, right? Like those green complexes are no joke. But yeah, Bryson, he's been playing unreal since we flipped the calendar to 2021. The guy's a stud, man. I don't know how long his body can hold up swinging at 141 miles an hour, but I, I I got Bryson this week, and and honestly, I, I told some buddies this. I could see him shooting like twenty five under and winning by like ten shots, setting like Masters records because I think he's motivated and he's he's feeling it right now. All right, Beto is going out and saying Bryson is going to win. I think his odds are is it ten to one? Eleven to one was what I last saw, but he might yeah might have moved a bit. Okay, so if you said there was a sleeper, and when I say sleeper, mm-hmm. someone between the ten. To one to twenty-five to one. Who oh, is it? I'll go deeper than that for you, actually. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a guy who I really like this week. And just because I've really been watching a lot of his rounds lately and he just looks so dialed in. And I'm not sure if he has the upside to win, but definitely if you want to take like a top five or a top ten bet, there'll be great hot odds on it. Brian Harmon, the okay. little tiny, smooth swinging lefty has been striking the ball beautifully Fonger. Like it's been, it's, it's been heard of this cat. Brian Harmon, take a look at Brian Harmon this week. He's been striking the ball beautifully. His confidence is riding sky high. I love myself. Some Brian Harmon this week, man. Harmon's probably going off 50 to one. Probably deeper than longer than that. Yeah. I I would imagine it's longer than that. He's probably going off 80, maybe, maybe a hundred. Look up Brian Harmon, H A R M A N. Um, Love Harmon this week. I, I absolutely okay. love him. I think he's I think he's gonna contend. But if you're looking for someone in that, you know, like sort of like twenty five sort of range to win. Yeah, that fifteen to twenty five. And those guys do have a good shot. Okay, here's one. Um Daniel Berger. I'm not sure where okay. Berger's coming in at, but uh in November didn't get to play the Masters, even though he was inside the top fifteen in the official world golf ranking, because due to like the COVID affected season, he didn't have enough time to like earn enough points to qualify. And the master's committee wouldn't make any exceptions for him or any, you know, special exemptions or points changes. So I think he comes in with a big chip on his shoulder as a guy. He came back from wrist surgery, right. immediately starts dominating, gets a win, um, loses in a playoff once. So it's like, you know, this guy's absolutely balling out, works his way back like into the top 15 in the official world golf rankings. And then, you know, sort of left out in the cold in November. I think, you know, it'd be nice for him to get that green jacket on and show to the master's committee just how big of a mistake they, they made and leaving him out. So I'm going to ask you about Bryson because the the fairways are so narrow there, right? And he's bombing and and you think he's going, you got to hit the fairway. Well, I mean, shit, at least for me, I got to hit the fairways if I'm going to score. But when I go right or go left, or when he's going right or he's going left, you think he's going to be able to hit straight, and then hit birdies, pars, and eagles. So that's the crazy thing about this guy is, you know, I mentioned in 141 mile an hour swing speed, but like he is still incredibly accurate, like better than tour average. Um, And the other thing about Bryson is he has an incredibly underrated short game. Like this guy is an insane putter, has a great around the green game, which you need at Augusta with these green complexes being the way they are. And I really especially like players that are good around the green at Augusta because 
now the golf course isn't taking as much of a mental toll on you, right? right? Because you're going to miss some greens. You're going to be in some tough spots to get up and down. And the guys who really have confidence and they're around the green games, that's not going to weigh as much on them when they have to make those pars, make those difficult up and downs. Whereas the guys who are really grinding these things out, that takes an emotional toll. So Bryson short game matches up, you know, yes, he will have to find enough fairways, but he hits it so long and he'll be taking so many unconventional lines that I don't right. know, man. I don't know. It, You've it, heard it, it. It all, it all adds all up All my followers and listeners picking Bryson and now my you know my daughter during March Madness you're gonna get a kick out of this she's at Wisconsin three weeks ago she called me on Friday night when the during the first and second round she's yep. like daddy who do you like I'm like what do you mean who do I like she's asking me gambling advice <laughs> I go uh take the Bruins um plus four and she so bottom line is she started getting into gambling and I said you know gambling's for losers I go it is. Oh, 100%. Truly for losers. 100%. But the house makes the money. Yes. The house takes said, the rake. It, but you, you got to know. I love doing it because it's you. if you can lose the money, if you can afford to lose it, then it's fun. I Abs- do it just the action and the chasing. But tell me if this is a smart strategy. I told her, stay consistent with every unit. So whatever you're betting, whatever you're comfortable with, right? If it's $100, 10 games, bet $100 for every 10 games. Your goal is to be six and four. Yes, yes. And then if you go six and four, you basically break even at yes. the end of the day because right. the house has taken such a big So time. I told her she used $10 as a unit, and that's the what we played with. And uh, she goes, every Sunday, you know, I would have to, she goes, that's when I have to pay. And I go, how are you doing after three weeks? So going into yesterday's game, she goes, I'm down $15. I'm like, that's awesome that's great. For three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah. You got three weeks of entertainment for $15. Yes. That's how you view that. And, and then yeah, she, she goes, I'm only doing it for basketball. And then she said, well, in the college football season. And then she said, well, maybe baseball. Wait, Masters. She goes, masters. Who do you like? I said, wait until tomorrow. So, Jay, if you're listening, we're going to put it on Bryson. What about my boy? Oh, wait. What are Brian Harmon's oh, odds? I think. He's uh, 1,200 to 1. Oh, let's go. So so he's probably plus He's probably plus 12. Let's see if he's plus 1,200. It's, it's Well, it was... Actually, uh, I narrowed it down. It's 12. It's not 120. It's not 120. Not 120 to 1? He's 1,200 to 1? Yep. All right, I'm going to have to take a look at that. We're going to have to take a gander. Yeah. All right. What about my boy, Lanto Griffin? Oh, I like me some Lanto. Um, I do. Uh, Obviously, from the area. So, shout out uh, to that. Um, A guy who's reinvented himself this year. Really has. Uh, did make his Masters debut in November, so he did get in in the November 2020 Masters. I'm trying to think, he might have missed the cut. If he didn't miss the cut, I think it was something like a 40 something place finish range. Didn't have a great performance, but that's typical of debutants in the Masters. Like, yeah, when you're playing that golf course for the first time, that man, was his it first can time. eat you up. Yeah. Exactly, it can it can eat anyone up. And there are plenty of great players who have gone on to have success at Augusta that struggled in their debut. So. That's you can kind of throw that one out. You can you can cut him some slack on that. I think his game fits really well. Um, so I just dropped the the Masters episode earlier today. Okay, Lanto is one of my recommended plays. I put yeah. him in what oh, I call gee. what I call the swag bag. Those are the lower price players. Um, because, Hold on, you know, because I'm gonna text him or email this. We're gonna we're gonna put this on video. All right, this is Beto. He has his hit the green podcast. This is for my boy LG. Lanto, guess what? This he's picked two out of the past four winners. What do you guys say about Lanto? 
Oh yeah, love Lanto this week. Uh, Six thousand four hundred dollar price tag, I believe, if memory serves me correct, on DraftKings. Um, you know, for a six thousand four hundred dollar price tag, there is no player you can find that's been striking the ball better. Someone who has reinvented himself when the calendar flipped to twenty twenty one looks like a completely different player. Uh, Going to be a second time around Augusta National, yep. so I, I would expect to see some market improvement, being able to avoid on, some of the trouble spots that maybe <laughs> he got caught in uh, last November. Uh, yeah, I mean, a guy whose trajectory is seriously pointing up, and man, from a ball striking standpoint, he's been money lately. So, Lanto, $6,400, was the only player below $6,500 on DraftKings that I could find to even recommend this week. So, if you go check out the podcast, you'll see that I that I like myself some Lanto, $6,400 this week. There you go, Lanto Griffin. Absolutely. So, let's get back to Stanford. I want to talk about your experience uh, in the Greek system. Yep. Okay. SAE, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just going to be a straight shooter. SAE is normally, when I, I know a lot of SAEs normally, it's a white fraternity. Yep. So were you, how did that play out? Were you one of the few African Americans or t- talk to me yep, about that? Absolutely. Experience. So in my pledge class, there were three African Americans. Greek life at Stanford, A, is like dead at this point. So SAE is no longer housed on campus. Neither okay. are, honestly, maybe like more than 50% of, of the houses that were housed on campus when I was there. So like traditional Greek life and Stanford Greek life, very different. Um, Explain. Let's talk about, because most people that listen to this podcast and I got students on, they talk about partying, they talk about blacking out, they talk about all that <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> the, the, I'm going to assume that shit doesn't happen at Stanford. <laughs> oh, that, that definitely happens at Stanford. So Stanford, at least while I was going there, and this is, this is crazy, but I, I can't imagine it's still a thing, but maybe it is. Their policy in the freshman dorms was known as the open door policy. So they weren't going to get you in trouble for drinking or even say that you couldn't drink. Their only request or I guess rule was that if you were drinking, you keep the door, the door to your room open so that they can come get you if they need to. Like, they can come get you help if they have to. Um, so that was, like, the, the premise. And they thought, you know, by giving them more responsibility over drinking, maybe it'll be more control. Like, no, like, we were playing beer pong all the time, right? Like, right. So was the entire dorm. But I wonder if that's still the policy, as a matter of fact. Um, but for Greek life at Stanford, fraternities were really, like, the only sort of true nightlife at Stanford. So everybody's studying. Ex- yeah, for the most part. Yeah. And like Palo Alto being the largest nearby town, it's not right. Not much of a party town, right? Like it's a it's an affluent, like very well to do preppy yes. sort of town, right? Like <laughs> very, very, and, very and much. All that way. the athletes are because I know a lot of student athletes at Stanford, which I'm trying to get on the show too, but that's a own family fraternity in Absolutely. Itself. Absolutely, hundred percent. So like Greek life at Stanford was really just like being the place that everyone came to party, right? And right. and I don't that maybe that's not entirely different from other schools, but like when I think of for example in Ohio State, like I don't need a fraternity to have like a a party atmosphere or, or like a party culture. But like truly at Stanford, if you wanted to go to a party on like a Friday night, you were going to one of the fraternities. That's just that's where you were going. Right. Um so me being like a social outgoing person, 
No. I wasn't originally thinking I was going to join Greek life, but just like the people who I associated myself with, the people I hung out with, you know, we were all social people. So, you know, we ended up doing it. We ended up joining. And uh, yeah, since then, yeah, Greek life at Stanford, it's, it's, it's not really a thing anymore. So if you're thinking about applying to Stanford on the premise of uh, joining a housed fraternity, I will, <laughs> I'll advise against that. I'll go on record advising against that right now. Okay, so when mom and dad are in town, mm-hmm. where did they take you to dinner? Or where were you telling, we're going here to eat? Where are some good places to, to off campus to hang out with and to eat? We're gonna start with the eating establishments first. Okay, so if I'm eating in the Stanford area, like if my parents are flying yes. into town, like they're literally coming in, we're going to San Francisco and we're going to Yanksing. Dim sum. Oh to die for. And I'm craving it now. Kind of upset craving. you brought it up, Fung. Honestly, I'm kind of upset you made me think about it. You got um, Din Tai right up the road, but so, it ain't yeah, the same. It, it really ain't the same. Like the Shanghai dumplings at- Shanghai The, the Shanghai dumplings at Yank Sing. Stop it. Like they, they shut it down. Um, I mean, everything they make there is absolutely amazing. So my first stop is, is Yank Sing. Get myself some dim sum. Um, if you're around Stanford's campus, uh, the place that immediately comes to mind for me, and I'm like a sugar addict. I'm, I'm a sugar fiend, so, and I love ice cream. Uh, Palo Alto Creamery has a okay. milkshake that you gotta go get. Mm. It reminds me of like uh, that scene in um, Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. Where he's like, uh, like a, five, a $6 milkshake. It must be a good milkshake, <laughs> right? Like Uma Thurman's like, yeah, they're good. And then he drinks it, he's like, it's a damn good milkshake. Maybe not a $6 milkshake, but like that that's what it made me think of. It's like a, they might be like a $10 milkshake, but this thing hits in every good way possible. So Palo Alto, the thing I miss most is definitely a milkshake at Palo Alto Creamery, but Bay Area, take me to Yank Sing. What's the best bar at Stanford? Like right around campus without going to San Francisco? Best being a loose, loose term. Uh, <laughs> ah. See, and I'm not even sure if all of these are still around. I would say probably patio. Okay, would have been the most popular. Um, yeah, I'd say probably patio would be the most popular. There's also I'm trying to think of the name of the sports bar that's right there in downtown Palo Alto that we used to go to quite a bit. Um, but you know, it's just a sports bar. There's not really there's really not much nightlife at all in Palo Alto, which is again why. People just went out to fraternities. So, and we're coming up. This is so good. We got to bring you back in studio because we could go we'll do in it. different directions, right? We just talked high level on hit the green. And there's so many other things I always talk about, like college, right? And, and the class sizes or what was your major? Were you direct or were you not? Um, you know, how was that process you know, on campus? And then more importantly, like I always like to talk to students more about when you're done you know we talk about the networking and i always end with this i always ask do you know who the president of your university is oh that's a great question because the president someone intelligent like you you're gonna nail so this the, one now the guy who was the president when i was there actually retired and i okay. can't remember the new guy's name so the president when i was there was john hennessy okay um and I know, I remember seeing the news that Hennessy retired and it was a younger guy who took over, but I don't know his name. I really See, don't. Does this name sound What's familiar? his name? Yes, yep, it sure does. Yep. 
I've definitely, yep. Mark definitely Tessier. Lavigne. 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 Yeah. yeah. I've, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely seen it before, but. Uh, so, and the reason why this may tease it up for the next time when we, we jump aboard, I always ask who the president is because when you graduate, you're going to interview for a job, right? Mm -hmm. And I used to hire a lot of people and I would say, do you know who the CEO of our company is? Beto. They would they don't fumble. Know the CEO. That's I'm crazy. like, hello, like you're interviewing <laughs> with this company, you don't know who the CEO is. That's like basic common research, right? Like, yeah, I certainly if you're attending the university, know who the president is while you're attending. Yeah. That's that's yeah. definitely something that you're gonna want to know. Well, we're gonna drop this podcast because I want it normally my podcasts come out on Friday, but the uh, masters is starts Thursday. on Thursday. Yeah, let it so go. Let we it gotta rip. let our maybe I'll I'll, I'll, sh I'll do the snippets of who you're gonna pick, right? We got Bryson, Bryson. love me right? some Bryson. We got the little long shot, and then we have my boy Lanto. Lanto, Griffin. yeah. So but, Bryson, Brian Harmon, a little bit of Lanto, yeah. and I'll actually I'll touch on that point really quickly. Just as far as if if anyone is thinking about applying to Stanford, like sort of what the class dynamic is like. Um, so Stanford, obviously very good education, really, really caring teachers, really, really knowledgeable teachers. My major was product design. It's part of the engineering school. Um, famously, like the D school is the is the graduate right. version of my major, the design school. Um, my major was basically like mechanical engineering for two and a half years. And then I got to like the fuzziness of the arts as yep. well as some some sort of like, I would say business type of of you know schooling so it was really set up to develop you to be able to you know either like pitch a startup or, or start some sort of product or company based off of making a product that's really what the the major was tailored to um i really loved the art classes that it forced me to take and and yeah, that was that was really the best part of, of the entire thing was being able to take a, a nice diversity of classes and and yeah, they really care about your your education there. So if you're looking to go to Stanford, I obviously give it a ten out of ten recommendation. Come become a cardinal and I'll see you on the farm, baby. We've had Brandon Towers joining us in studio. He's the host of Hit the Green Podcast, graduate of the tree, the maple tree, 2014. <laughs> We're going to do this again because I think a lot of my uh, guests, uh, after they graduate, we're, we're going to talk more about the networking and how to get jobs because I think that's the next phase, right? You go to college, how do you do, how do you get in, the networking, and then it leads to the employment. Absolutely. So, hey, appreciate it, Fonger. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. For Fonger News and the student manager, out.